0: We're going to be in the book of Luke this morning, Luke chapter number 7. Uh, continuing as the Lord leads to look at the parables, uh, not necessarily looking at them in order or how they occurred, just as the Lord guides us, Uh, looking at the parables of the Lord Jesus Christ and what these parables teach us, uh, both what he was teaching then and what he's teaching us now and how that we can apply them to our lives. This morning here in Luke chapter number seven, we'll be looking at the parable of the two debtors, the parable of the two debtors. Now this is a short parable. As we read this passage, uh, you will see that this is just a short a parable, very short, but in this parable uh, the Lord gives us a very strong message, a very powerful uh, message. We find that he reveals here an important truth concerning forgiveness uh, and that how we view ourselves uh, and our need of forgiveness uh, directly relates to how we respond to the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we just look at this parable uh, uh, we will see how that the Lord uh, uh, reveals that all are debtors and His forgiveness extends to all, uh, but we must recognize ourselves as a debtor uh, in order to benefit uh, from what God has given us. So we're going to look here in Luke chapter number 7, starting in verse number 36, uh, and then we're going to read down through the end of the chapter, verse uh, number 50. Luke chapter number 7 and verse number 36, the Bible says, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet uh, and anointed them... uh, with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Now recognize he was just thinking this and look at verse number 40. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. Just remember that the Lord reads our thoughts. He knows what we're thinking, when we're thinking, and he always has an answer for what is in our mind. Jesus answering is unto to him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master... Say on. Now here he is doubting uh, that Jesus is a prophet because he assumes that Jesus does not know the reputation of the lady uh, who is there washing his feet. And so he assumes that Jesus doesn't know her reputation. And so uh, Jesus says, Simon, I have somewhat to say to thee. Simon has no inclination that Jesus just read his mind. Uh, He has no inclination that Jesus is getting ready to deal specifically with what he was thinking. Jesus is getting ready to reveal, Simon, not only do I know who she is, uh, I know who you are. And boy, I'll tell you what, oftentimes uh, we're real busy telling the Lord about who everybody else is uh, and thinking He don't know who we are. Uh, but i got news for you. He knows who we are uh, as well as uh, who everybody else is. Uh, it says here, I have somewhat to say unto thee, and he said, Master, say on. Uh, and Jesus said, and here's where the parable begins, in verse number 41, there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence. The other 50, now if you look at uh, the the scholars to find out what this would be equal to in our day, uh, the 500 pence would be about uh, equivalent to about $50 and the 50 pence would be equivalent to about $6 uh, in our day. So we see two debts, uh, 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore, which of them... We'll love him most. So Jesus gives the parable. He gives it as a question to Simon. And in verse number 43, Simon answers uh, kind of hesitantly because I believe he's picked up on the fact uh, that Jesus has got his number. It says here uh, in verse number 43, Simon answered and said, uh, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. Do you ever find yourself in that situation uh, when the answer is clear, uh, but you realize that by giving the answer, uh, you just condemned yourself? Uh, Jesus said, which one is going to love him most? Uh, And Simon said, I suppose uh, he that loved him most. Uh, Simon said, I am in trouble now. Uh, He is getting ready to tell me something. Uh, He has set me up. Uh, Jesus said, and he said unto him, there in verse 43, and he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee, go M-E. so let's go to the lord in the word of prayer our father in heaven lord we thank you for this day we thank you for your goodness lord we thank you for how you have met with us already today lord you have blessed uh, in the singing you've blessed in the worship father you've blessed in the spirit of the church and father lord we look back at how you've blessed us this past year and lord it just warms our heart lord to see what you are doing and father lord we are thankful that you allow us to be a part uh, of the work that you are doing lord we know that you do not need us we We know, dear Lord, that you could do everything uh, without us. But, Father, you include us. uh, And, Lord, you use us for the work of God. And, Father, we thank you, uh, Lord, that you give us this privilege. Now, Lord, as we look at your Word, uh, Lord, concerning these two debtors, Lord, concerning uh, uh, how we respond to what you have done for us, Father, I pray that you will use your work. I pray, dear Lord, that the message will be clear. I pray, dear Lord, that you will take this message and, Lord, you will apply it to the heart of the one that needs to hear it. Lord, I pray that all of our hearts will be open. And Lord, that we will receive the message this morning, I pray. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Bless us now as we look at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here in this account we have the story of two people's interaction with the Lord Jesus Christ. We see that there is a Pharisee and there is a woman. There is a Pharisee who has invited Jesus to come home to his house and he brings him home to his house. Then there is a woman who invites herself to the Pharisee's house because Jesus is there. And so we see here that there are two individuals that Jesus is dealing with in this story. Then we see that in the par there are two individuals uh, uh, that represent uh, the Pharisee and the woman. There is the one who was forgiven a debt of 500 pence uh, and there is uh, someone uh, who is forgiven a debt uh, of 50 pence. And so we see uh, that the Lord is making an illustration to drive home a truth concerning uh, what is going on uh, here in the Pharisee's house. Uh, We'll begin first this morning by looking at at the Pharisee. Here in this story, that we meet this Pharisee, and of course the Bible tells us that his name is Simon. And Simon invited Jesus into his home for a meal. He said, Jesus, I would like you to come home. I'd like you to come to my house. I want to serve you a meal. And so this Pharisee invites Jesus into his home. As we go forward, we will see, though, that the motive behind the invitation was not sincere. But the Pharisee invites Jesus to come to his home for a meal. There are a couple things I want to point out about the Pharisee this morning. First of all, the Pharisee was self-satisfied. You know what? There's a dangerous place that we can get to in life. Now, Brother Danny taught this morning on contentment, did an excellent job, and we should learn to be satisfied with the life that God has given us. We should learn to be content in this life that God has given us. But whenever I come to a point that I think that I have everything that I need and that I do not need God to interfere in my life. I have come to a wrong place in my life. We see that this Pharisee was self-satisfied. What do we mean by that? He was religious. He was self-righteous. And I believe that he was selfishly curious about Jesus. As we go through this parable, we'll find out that this Pharisee was not interested in honoring Jesus. He was not interested in showing respect to Jesus. He was not interested in learning from Jesus. Uh, He was selfishly interested uh, in what he could learn uh, about this teacher that so many people were following after. Uh, He was religious. Uh, He didn't need Jesus' religion. Uh, He was self-righteous. He felt that he was good enough. Uh, He didn't need the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, All he was concerned about was himself uh, and he was satisfied that he was uh, okay. Uh, It says there in verse number 39, when the Pharisee had bidden him, saw it, saw the lady washing his feet, uh, he spake within himself saying, this man if he were a prophet. He brought Jesus into his house just to prove that Jesus was not who Jesus said he was. He brought him to his house just to prove that this self-proclaimed Messiah indeed was not the Messiah. He brought him to his house to prove that this message of repentance did not apply. He brought him to his house so that he could prove to the religious world that this is not the one that we seek after. And you know the reason that the Pharisees rejected the Lord Jesus Christ? You know the reason that they did not want to receive the Lord Jesus Christ is because the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ came and he showed to them that what you have done to the law is not the law that I gave you. And he began to reveal to them the truth and they rejected Jesus because he upset what they had created. Boy, I'm telling you what, that is something that we see happening in religious circles from the time of Christ uh, even until our day uh, people reject the truth of the Word of God when it begins to upset what they have created. This man brought Jesus to his house just to prove that Jesus was not uh, who he said he was. Uh, As we look at this passage of Scripture, we see uh, this Pharisee uh, and we see that this, this guy was not looking to follow Jesus but he was curious about this carpenter turned preacher and he wanted to see what was causing him to have so much popularity. Simon, I believe, did not feel that he needed Jesus in his life to improve his life, but he invited Jesus into his home so that he could find out what he had to do to keep Jesus from affecting his life. Do you know that you cannot encounter Jesus without him having an effect on you. You cannot run into the Lord Jesus Christ without him affecting you. There is no way around it. Now, he may affect you to come in repentance and call on him as Savior. It may affect you in that you reject him and walk away and secure your condemnation, but you cannot encounter Jesus without it affecting you. But Simon said, I'm going to invite this man into my house, not because I'm interested in following him, but because because I'm interested in finding out how I can keep him from affecting me, how I can keep him from messing up my life. The Pharisees were very religious people. They were very moral people. They considered themselves the authority on all things concerning religion. They had no need for someone like Jesus telling them what they were doing wrong. This guy was self satisfied he said i've got everything taken care of i don't need somebody like jesus upsetting the apple cart i have got it all taken care of you see the problem with this pharisee is very much a problem that we see today and that is that he judged himself against the standard of other men well there's so many people who do just that they judge themselves against the standard of other men. And you know what, it doesn't matter how bad you are, you can always find somebody worse. Yeah. <laughs> and whenever you find that person, you say, I'm not as bad as they are. And we feel like somehow that justifies us. You see, we cannot measure ourselves against the standard of other men. We can only measure ourselves against the standard of the righteousness and the holiness of an almighty God. So we see that although this Pharisee was indeed a very religious man, he was indeed a very moral man, he lacked something in that he did not see his need for the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that that is the sin that will condemn us to an eternal punishment. That is the sin. That sends us into a lake of fire is not recognizing our need for the Lord Jesus Christ. We see that this man felt that he didn't need to add anything to his religion. He found his righteousness in himself. The Bible tells us that that doesn't work because the Bible says that all our righteousness is as filthy rags. Yet that is what the Pharisee was depending on to get him to heaven. We see that the Pharisee was self-satisfied. Jesus may have been in his house, but he wasn't going to let Jesus make any changes in his life. But in addition to being self-satisfied, I believe the Pharisee was self-serving. He is more interested in what he could gain from Jesus than what he could do for Jesus. Uh, If we look here in verse number 44, Jesus says to the Pharisee, I entered into thy house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet. In verse number 45, thou gavest me no kiss. Uh, In verse number 46, my head with oil thou didst not anoint. This Pharisee was not interested uh, in what he could do for Jesus, but he was interested in what he could gain gain from a a conversation with Jesus. You see, in Jewish custom, uh, it was just customary that if someone visited your house uh, because of the hot and humid desert, because of the the traveling on foot and so forth, uh, it was just customary when someone came into your house, uh, uh, you would give them water to wash their feet, uh, uh, you would give them uh, a a greeting, a kiss on the cheek to greet them, and you would give them oil to anoint their head and help them. Probably like uh, we do that, uh, you know, when you get and you put that little vera on. It just helps and soothes, you know. A little oil for the head, some water for the feet, uh, a kiss, and this was just customary. If someone showed up, uh, it was like, here, let me get this for you. Let me let me help you out, and make you comfortable, and so that you would give that to your guest, and then you would proceed with the visit. The Pharisee invited Jesus home, uh, invited Jesus to his house. Uh, Jesus wasn't a stranger. Jesus Jesus was an invited guest, yet when Jesus got there, there was no water for his feet. There was no kiss of greeting. There was no oil on his head, almost communicating, I've invited you to my house, but I don't want you to think that I have any use for you. See, the Pharisee was self-serving. He wasn't interested in doing anything for Jesus. He was only interested in what he could gain for himself. He didn't extend the common courtesy that he would have shown to any other guest in his house. He didn't view Jesus as a special guest. He didn't invite Jesus to show him kindness. He was simply self-serving. You know, we see this self-serving spirit in churches all over the world today. There are pews filled this morning with people who have no desire to do anything for God. But they're in that seat because they want God to do something for them. Now, boy, I'm telling you what, my Lord does a lot of things for me. And I am grateful for all of the blessings that he pours out on me. I am thankful for every good thing that he does for me. But there are many people that come to church and they have no interest whatsoever in doing anything for God but they are expecting God to do something for them. They come to church because they want their conscience soothed. Yeah, they don't want to be bothered when they're trying to sleep or when they're alone. They don't want the Holy Spirit to bother them. So they come to church so that when the conviction comes, uh, they can remind the Holy Spirit that they were at church this Sunday. Yeah, they want their conscience soothed. Uh, they, They want their prayers answered. I find it's interesting that all of us have prayers that we need answered. And we come to church thinking that by coming to church, God may be more likely to answer our prayers. You know what? God is good to the just and to the unjust. Amen. God takes. God hears the cry of those that call upon him. But we think, hey, if I go to church, he'll soothe my conscience. He'll answer my prayer. You know what? Everybody wants a good family. Oh, yeah, they want a good family, good marriage, happy children. Everybody wants this. This is something that they want in their life. and, and They want that. And, hey, I've heard that going to church makes good families. So they come to church. They're in the pew this morning. They're getting their conscience sued. They're hoping God will answer their prayer. They're hoping that this will give them a good family, but they have no intention whatsoever of ever doing anything for God. You know, as I think about the Pharisee, maybe I can sort of excuse his behavior because Jesus was kind of a new thing in his day. He's not a new thing in our day. Oh no, we've been preaching about Him for thousands of years. We have the Word of God. We know the whole story. We know the truth about the death, burial, and resurrection. We know who He is. We know why He came. We know the sacrifice that He made. We understand that He gave Himself to purchase our redemption. We know that it's the shedding of His blood that makes it possible for me to stand before God and be seen as righteous. I know all of this. I don't think there's any excuse for me coming in a self-serving attitude. Yet when we gather to worship, there are many who are only interested in what he can do for us and never consider what can we do for him. We see the Pharisee was self-satisfied and self-serving, but there's another woman, another person that I want you to see in this story, and that is the woman. Here in this story, the Bible gives us no record of her name. We don't know which lady this was, or even if she's ever spoken of again in Scripture. She's simply referred to as the woman. Her response to Jesus was something completely different from that of the Pharisee. You know, there's coming a day when we're going to get to glory and chances are we're not going to meet Simon. But you know who we are going to meet? The woman. You know what, it doesn't matter if you have a name in this life. It matters if you have a name in that life. It doesn't matter if nobody knows who I am here. As long as my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, everything is going to be okay. But some people will never have their name written in the Lamb's Book of Life because they're too busy trying to get a name in this life. We look here at this story, we see that Simon, he had a name. This lady isn't mentioned, but she did know what she needed. Whenever we look at this lady, the first thing we see is that she realized her debt. She realized her debt. The Pharisee did not recognize his debt. He did not recognize what he owed, but we see that this lady realized her debt. This lady knew that she needed a Savior. Whenever we look there in verse number 37, it says, and behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner. The Bible doesn't give us any question marks here. The Bible just clearly clarifies that this lady was a sinner. Therefore, Everybody knew she was a sinner. Everybody that knew of her knew that was the sin that she did. She recognized she was a sinner. There was no question. There was no morality. There was no seeking after God. This lady was a sinner. And because of her position, she recognized her condition. She knew that she was a sinner. And because she knew she was a sinner, she realized her debt. You see, the reason a lot of people won't come to Christ is because they have not recognized that they're a sinner. They have not realized that they have violated the law of God. They do not see that they need a Savior. But this lady, she realized her debt. The Bible identifies her as a sinner, and from the text it seems that Not only does the Bible describe her this way, but this is how she was identified by those who knew her. I believe this lady came looking for Jesus because she recognized she was a sinner. Too often men misunderstand their need for a Savior because they're doing the same thing the Pharisee did and they're measuring themselves against mankind than measuring themselves against the righteousness of God. There's an illustration I've used before, but it's a very fitting illustration. I'll use it again. I can't jump very high. Never was able to jump very high, but the longer I live on this earth, it seems the more connected I get to this earth. Some of these younger fellows can jump way high. I mean, they can grab a hold of that basketball rim, no problem at all. They can get way up there. But if we were to have a contest, and the contest was to see who could jump to the moon, I guarantee you I could not get to the moon. There's no way I could jump that high. But I dare say that there are people even in this building who could jump considerably higher than I can, but whenever the measuring stick is reaching the moon, they aren't any better off than I am. Neither of us get anywhere close to reaching the moon. And whenever we consider the righteousness of God as a standard as opposed to the righteousness of man by a standard, it's like judging whether or not we can reach a basketball goal or whether or not we can reach the moon. And there's a lot of people who do not understand they need Jesus because they can reach the basketball goal. But let me tell you, you are still miles and miles and miles away from what it requires to have peace with the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, Pastor John, nobody can jump to the moon. Exactly. And in the same token, there is not a person alive who can ever live righteous enough and holy enough and good enough to ever merit their way into heaven. There is no way we can ever reach the righteousness that is required of God. That's why we rejoice so much whenever we think about Calvary. That's why we think so much about whenever he shed that blood and it excites us when we think that we're going to get to go to heaven because we cannot absolutely cannot do it on her own but he has made a way and because of him guess what I am now? I'm a moon jumper because of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's his righteousness that makes it possible. We see here that she realized her need. We see second of all that this lady recognized the Savior. There in verse number 37 it says she knew when she knew that Jesus said at meeting the Pharisees house She brought an alabaster box of ointment. First, she realized her need. Second, she recognized the one who could meet that need. When this lady heard that Jesus was in town, she wasted no time in going to where he was. Although she wasn't well-liked, although everyone knew her reputation, she let nothing stand in the way of getting to Jesus. You know what? Once you recognize your sinful condition, once you recognize how you stack up against the righteousness of God. once you realize that there is no way to heaven except through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? Let me tell you this morning, don't let anything stand in your way of getting to Jesus. Don't let others' opinions, don't let your own pride, don't let what others may say about you or think about you, don't let anything get in the way of getting to Jesus. This lady said, I am going to Jesus. She knew she was a sinner. She knew she was condemned. She knew she needed forgiveness and she knew that she could find what she needed by giving her life to the Lord Jesus Christ. She recognized her condition. She realized, or she realized her condition. She recognized the Savior. And then we see, last of all, after she came to Jesus, we see that she responded in love. She responded in love and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears and to wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Once she came to Jesus, she began to demonstrate her love for him. Now the Bible doesn't tell us about this woman outside of this story. So I don't know any of her history. I don't know what had taken place in her life. But by looking at this story, it does seem obvious that she had heard about Jesus. This wasn't uh, the first time she had heard of him. This wasn't the first time she had heard what he was capable of doing. Uh, This wasn't the first time uh, that anyone had mentioned him to her. No, this lady had heard about Jesus, I believe. And she had heard stories uh, of how he had redeemed people uh, from uh, their sin. Uh, She had heard stories uh, of how he had forgiven sin. She had heard stories uh, of how he had taken care of physical ailments. Uh, She had heard stories uh, of how he wiped it away. Now whenever you and I read of the miracles uh, and we we read how that Jesus said to the lame man, uh, take up thy bed and walk, uh, we get all uh, caught up in that. Wow, how amazing that is uh, that Jesus made this man to walk. And it is medically amazing. uh, But the thing is, if you read that miracle, you will find out that the big thing that Jesus did was forgave his sins. Matter of fact, before he allowed him to walk, he forgave his sins and the people in the room said, what right do you have to forgive sins? And Jesus said, well, just to let you know that I can forgive sins, I can make him walk too. I'll do this as well. You see, in the mind of the Jew who had spent their life under the law to get 100% full, complete forgiveness of sin, This was a big deal. It was washed away, there was no more condemnation. Eternity was secure. This was a big deal to be forgiven of their sin and Jesus is able to forgive sins. This lady is a sinner, she knows she's a sinner. Everybody knows she's a sinner. She lives a wicked life and she is feeling the pain and the hurt of living this way. She's feeling what it's doing to her and she hears about someone who is able to forgive sins she's interested she wants to meet this gentleman she hears word in town that he's at Simon's house and she goes she invites herself she goes in and when she walks in she sees him and there he is he's the one that can take my sin away he's the one that can wash the guilt away he's the one that can make a new creature out of me he can turn my life around he can deliver me and she begins weeping as she recognizes what Jesus is able to do for her. And she gets down on the ground and she begins to wash his feet and to cry and to weep because she recognizes this is the one that can set me free. You know what, I sometimes wonder if people have ever recognized what it is that Jesus has done for you. Well, I'm telling you what, whenever it gets a hold of you that he washed your sin away. Amen. You were condemned when you were born. You are the seed of Adam. Adam sinned. He took of the fruit and the curse of sin and death passed upon all men. And you were condemned when you were born. But there is a Savior who can take that condemnation away. There is a savior who can take that that penalty and he can remove it and he can promise you regardless of who you are, where you are, what you have or haven't done, he can promise you an eternity in heaven forever. This lady recognized. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Oh my goodness. All my life I've been sinful. All my life I've been wicked. All my life I've ruined my reputation. My parents won't talk to me. My brothers and sisters won't have anything to do with me. The community hates me. But this man, this man can take my sin away. He is my chance to turn my life around. And she comes to the one weeping because she recognizes what he can do for her. She responded in love. This lady recognized that she needed a Savior and her love for him was motivated by his love for her. The Bible says in 1 John 4:19, we love him because he first loved us. This lady recognized the love Christ had for her and when she recognized the love Christ had for her, she gave of her time. She stopped what she was doing so she could be with him. She gave of her talent, although she didn't have much to give, she used her tears and her hair to wash the feet of Jesus. She gave of her treasure, very valuable box of ointment that she gave. Why? Because when I recognize how much he loves me, there is nothing that I would hold back from him. When I recognize what he's done for me, There's nothing that I would keep from him. I will give to him all that I have. Whenever we understand the love Christ has for us, I believe that we will respond in love to him. This morning, let me ask you this question Do you love much as this lady did? Or is religion a thing of convenience for you? Are you forgiven? sanctified, satisfied in the Lord Jesus Christ? Or are you seeking, looking for what you need? This morning, I see two people. It's interesting to me that Jesus offered forgiveness to both of them. He said in the parable, he said there were two people. Both people owed a debt. Neither person could pay. Simon, in your mind, you owe very little. Simon, even though you think that you owe very little, you cannot pay what you owe. Simon, your debt's too big for you. You may think it's only $6, Simon. You may think that it really doesn't matter. You may think that you're good enough, Simon, that when you get to heaven, they're just going to pass this by. Let me tell you, Simon, you have a debt that you cannot pay. You may not think it's big, Simon, but you can't pay it. But Simon, the creditor, frankly, forgave them both. He offers forgiveness to everyone. Whether you owe much or whether you owe very little, he offers forgiveness to all. Everyone can come. But as we look at this story, we see that there's no record of Simon responding. There's no record of Simon seeking that forgiveness. He chose rather to continue to depend on his own morality. We find no record that Simon got his heart right with God. We see this lady said, Lord, I'm a sinner. And we find that he forgave her of her sin. And because of the forgiveness... Our love poured out to Him. This morning, my question is, are you in need of a Savior? If so, come to the one that can forgive you. Maybe you're here as a Christian and you found yourself being guilty of taking for granted what Christ has done for you and you've lost that first love. You've become lax in your, in your service to the Lord. Who's going to love the most? Him that is forgiven the most. And Whenever we recognize ourselves in light of the righteousness of God, we will find that we were all forgiven very, very much. And we ought to respond to Him. I'm going to ask each of you, stand there where you are. Miss Debbie's going to come to the piano. As she plays, if the Lord has spoken to your heart, I invite you to come to this altar and do business with God. Perhaps you're here this morning, you've never been saved. Let me ask you, have you ever discerned the love that God has for you? The Bible says in Romans 5, verse 6 through 8, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 4, 9 and 10, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. If you're here this morning, you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. As Miss Debbie plays in a moment, come to this altar. Let us take the Word of God and show you how you can know for sure that you're on your way to heaven. Then if you're a Christian this morning, are you demonstrating your love for the Savior? Are you letting the world see the love that you have for Him because of what He's done for you? As Miss Debbie plays, the Lord spoke to your heart. You come.